I'm Kim Grinolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, Hawaii, 4.30 kickoff at Husky Stadium. Weather, looking at it, it looks like we're going to have okay weather, but I kind of thought that before the Cal game as well. So uh, still we'll be bringing rain gear and hopefully everything is okay. Washington, um, this should be a bounce back game after the Cal game. I haven't even looked at the point spread. It's not something I do. Have you, either of you guys seen the point spread? Uh, last I checked, it was about 23 points. Yeah, and that's probably like probably about right. Um, it's kind of interesting, Chris. We were talking about just how the Cal game seemed to impact the fan base going from thinking that this team had a chance to win the national championship to people just going off a cliff. So uh, <laughs> what's going on there? Yeah, I mean, don't ask me. <laughs> like I said, I've been a little surprised that the um, reaction has been as strong as it has been. But, um, you know, and, and, and it's lasted for as long as it's lasted. That's the thing that's gotten me a little um, surprised, to be perfectly honest with you. It's just one of those things where I would have thought, given the circumstances of the game, given the fact that they did lose to Cal last year and that Cal is, is not a bad team by any stretch, that uh, you know that that this was in, this was a possibility. It 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 wasn't probable, but it was possible. And, and this Chris, isn't this isn't like losing to you know Eastern Washington, for instance. This isn't one of those where I would have thought a massive overreaction was warranted. But then again, I for some reason I guess there was this this sense of hype that that Washington was going to get to the playoff and everything was going to line up and the schedule was favorable and. All these things were going to happen, and and all it took was one field goal at the end of the Cal game, and now all of a sudden it feels like a lot of people think the the season's done, and I, I Chris, find that interesting. Chris, you took a look back at Chris Peterson's tenure at Washington and what they've done after a loss, and it was kind of interesting because they've only lost two games in a row. What once since Pete's been here? No, they've lost a couple times, but they were you know I mean the last time they lost two in a row was in 2015. So again, once he really had his guys and it was established, they haven't they haven't made a habit of that at all. I mean, they lost they lost one time in the regular season in 2016, and then in 2017 they lost a couple a couple games, but it was spread out. And then last year you you had the Oregon game and the Cal game, but those were spread out. And um, so yeah, it just uh, it was just kind of a weird deal where all of a sudden everything is coming to question. Uh, none of the senior receivers can can catch passes. The there's no way that the young defensive backs are going to come strong. I don't know. I guess people have forgotten that uh, the development piece is a big reason why Chris Peterson's where he's at. And sometimes you do take a lump or two. But now all of a sudden they're questioning everything about the program. And uh, I, I guess I just I think it's weird. Uh, Scott's circumstances all uh, you know just meeting at once, or are we seeing some trends? Well, I, I think the trends are that this team is going to struggle for a little while as these young guys get up to speed. I, I don't think that you're going to see Brandon Wellington and Kyler Manu be the main guys taking snaps at linebacker. I think Washington is going to do their best to get uh, MJ Tafisi and Jackson Sermon on the field a little bit more and possibly even work in Daniel Hamuli, you know the the top guy in the in the last class from a linebacker standpoint. By the way, so, Hamuli didn't suit up last week. No, he didn't. I but I don't know if that was injury or if they just they're just 
don't want to burn his red shirt quite yet or whatever. Um, they just want to let him continue to, to work and, and possibly play more like the second half of the season. But that being said, I just think people I, – I did warn people. Now, my prediction at the beginning of the season was I think it was 11-1. and one. I thought they'd win, lose one game. I thought there was a possibility they could lose two. Now, uh, so I wasn't sounding the, the, the sirens or anything like that, but I'd been warning people that – Losing guys like Taylor Rapp, Greg Biggins, or Greg Biggins, Greg Gaines, and Ben Burkirvan, and even Tevis Bartlett in the running game is going to hurt Washington, especially straight up the middle. And I think that showed against Cal. It wasn't uh, their big-time uh, tailback, uh, Chris Brown, that was hurting the, hurting the Huskies. It was the other guy, and Dancy. And, man, I, I just – Washington really, Washington fans really need to just enjoy the fact that this is going to, I because see for me, maybe their, their expectations have changed, but maybe just enjoy watching this team grow and get better as the season goes along and gets prepared for a really big, what could be a really big 2020 season. Scott, you talk about losing Taylor Rapp, Greg Gaines, Ben Burkirvan. They've lost talent off this team before and just reloaded. But um, I mean, so what's the difference? Is it expectations? Um, is it a younger group, or like I said, is this? Do you expect this to be a trend, or is just just a bad game? Well, but did they lose three very important guys straight up the middle all in the same year? Well, I don't the, think they did. Look at the secondary guys they lost with what? But, but what I'm talking about is where yeah. did where did Cal gain most of their yards running the ball? It was right up the middle, and I mean. Uh, Josiah Bronson didn't have a good game. Levi Anzarike, it, he's playing out of position because he's playing over the nose when you watch him. You watch uh, Brandon Wellington and Connor Manu. Those guys just are not getting it done in the middle of the defense. And Washington doesn't have a safety that can come up and play the run like Taylor Rapp did. Miles Bryant was much better off of the corner and playing out of the box as a slot corner than he is playing safety and trying to trying to do it up the middle. So... I, I just I think what's really what you're seeing is the vacancy of a lot of talent and experience right up the middle. And Washington has talent to replace it, but not a lot of experience. And these guys just are not getting it done. Cam Williams had a terrible game last week. Well, Chris, and it's easy to take a look at the, the linebacker position when you talk about the middle of the field. You had Azeem Victor, Keyshawn Bieria, and then Tevis Bartlett and Ben Burkirvan. And now it's Brandon Wellington and Kyler Manu. And both of those guys are experienced. They're seniors. But when those guys are off the field in the rotation, they bring in two redshirt freshmen in Jackson Sermon and um, MJ Tafisi. What do you see the difference between that? I mean, they're young, but are you noticing a difference when they bring in uh, Sermon and Tafisi? Well, I think there's certainly a hitting element, especially when you look at Tafisi. He seems to want to bring that headhunter mentality, which they haven't seemed to have in a little while. It's not that guys like Burke Hervin and Bartlett and, and some of those other guys weren't big hitters. They just didn't necessarily bring that that kind of reputation where Tafisi is clearly bringing it early and is starting to get that kind of rep. I, I would echo Scott's comments that I think when you look at them right down the spine, the spine of this team, this defense, is way different than it was last year. And I don't think it's a matter of not being able to get it done there. I think they have the talent to get it done. Um, you know, when, when, when Scott talks about them doing a lot of their run game stuff inside and making it happen, to me, I saw a lot of breakdowns on the outside that allowed California to, to, break, to break some things open and to really uh, get some washouts 
which allowed their their guys to get to the second level. And once you have linemen blocking linebackers on the second level, they've won. They've won that play. I mean, it may only be for four or five yards, but they've won that play. And that happened far too many times. And again, that starts at the line of scrimmage. But I didn't necessarily see a problem with a lot of the guys in the middle. I saw it with guys like Joe Tryon and Ryan Bowman and some of the more experienced guys who were getting uh, gapped out of their play, uh, not really holding the fit, not holding their edges the way that they should have. And there there were some breakdowns there. There's no doubt about it in my mind. I mean, we saw a couple times where – the, the 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 outside linebackers literally went right by the ball. They went right by, thinking that they had it nailed instead of sticking to their keys, playing their fundamentals and their techniques. And that's why I guarantee you this week, especially on the defensive side of the ball, it was all about getting back to basics. It was all you about getting to the fundamentals again. Do you think we're going to see uh, more Brandon McKinney this week? I don't know. I have, we haven't really seen that much of Brandon McKinney. And, and frankly, I think it's more important to get a guy like Cameron Williams back out there and back on the horse to make sure that the coaches show that they have, they have trust in him, that he's going to get the job done. I mean, there was nothing in spring and fall that told us that he was going to have breakdowns or that he wasn't going to be able to tackle properly or those types of things. And again, Chris Peterson's right. It's You can, you can focus on those guys. But there were there were breakdowns in other areas, and the tackling issues, especially, was something that was just throughout the entire defense, and that's just something that we haven't seen in a long, right. long time with this defense, with Pete Kwiatkowski and Jimmy Lake running the show. You just have not seen those kind of tackling breakdowns. And Ryan Bowman was straight to the point. Every single question I pretty much asked him on Tuesday, his answer was, "Yeah, our problem was tackling. If we tackle, we win that game." And, Scout, they lost the guy midway through the third quarter. And you hate to say that losing a guy in his first year in the program, a freshman, but Leatu Latu has all the indications that he could be a real special player at Washington. And he went out in the third quarter. We He didn't return. Uh, how much difference did that make? And uh, hopefully we see him again um, against Hawaii. Yeah, I does it really make that much of a difference? I don't know. I mean, the thing is, the whole defense, I thought, was playing well in that first half. And, in, and then in the second half, they didn't play well from the get-go. And I, I just don't know if it was only Leatu Latu. I don't disagree with you, Kim, that he's going to be an integral part of that front seven going forward this year and also over the next at least two years, if not all three years after that. So I... I Honestly, I don't have a lot of answers for you other than the the team wasn't sticking with their fundamentals. Joe Tryon was getting fooled like crazy on the edge, uh, sacrificing leverage and and uh, and contain and everything like that and letting guys get outside the pass rush, trying to get after Chase Garbers. Uh, they had so many missed tackles. Miles Rice had a couple. Uh, I remember uh, Brandon Wellington had a couple. There, were, there was one when they had a blitz and they missed they missed Garbers as well, and he hurt Washington with his legs as well. And you know, it just wasn't a good recipe for success. I, I don't want to disagree with you just to disagree with you, Kim, but I, I just I don't think that a guy like Leatu Latu is that big of a difference at this point. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. 
With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's going to be interesting against Hawaii. They run a totally different offense. They're going to throw the ball all over the field. The defensive backs are going to get a workout. But uh, this Hawaii um, offense is something that Washington just hasn't seen before. Yeah, I, I think Kyler Gordon needs to get ready. I mean, I don't I don't know if he's gonna get the start this week. It might be it might end up being Dominique Hampton for all we know, or it could be Elijah Molden moving outside, Miles Bryant moving de- back down to the slot where he's been so effective and put Brandon McKinney back there with uh Cam Cam Williams. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know what we're gonna see this uh Saturday, but you know, I, I just boy, I just I have a real hard time believing that Hawaii isn't going to try and find the young guys and exploit them. And Chris, Kyler Gordon won best hands in the room over fall camp. He's a guy who can create the turnovers, which is something that has really been missing. Washington doesn't have a turnover in the first two games. And uh, boy, I wouldn't have bet that at the beginning of the season. (laughs) That's absolutely right. I mean, and again, we're talking about a Hawaii team with eight turnovers. So there's an opportunity to get some turnovers on Saturday, and a guy like Kyler Gordon, he's so confident, and he's been so good at every level that he's played at, I can't imagine him not bouncing back and having a good game on Saturday. Sure, they're going to try to pick on him, there's no doubt about it, and he needs to understand that it's not like he's a weak link or anything, but he needs to understand that with Keith Taylor on that other side, Taylor is pretty much locked down that half of the field, so he's going to get a lot more attention than maybe if there was another guy out there on the other side. So Cole, McDonald, just, Cole McDonald has eight touchdowns in the first two games, but five interceptions. They're out there for the taking this week. That's right. No, they're, there's, they're, the, the interceptions are there. They need to st- it needs to start up front where they can get some uh, hands on the passes to tip the balls up, where they can get picked off by guys in jump ball situations. And you're right. I mean, I go back to what Scott said in terms of how they could rotate some guys. Maybe we see Miles Bryant come closer to the line of scrimmage. Maybe you see Brandon McKinney, like you said, Kim, playing at safety to start the game. I think that just goes to the flexibility, the versatility, and the numbers that Jimmy Lake and uh, and Will Harris have back there that they can use at their disposal to try to keep things maybe a little off-kilter for Cole McDonald and some of those receivers. Maybe they bring in some different personnel and they rotate some guys in to give some different looks. And maybe they bring in some of the bigger guys. Maybe they bring in Asa Turner back there to do some stuff. You know, they, a lot of people on the boards now are thinking Asa Turner is the one that should be compared to Taylor Rapp instead of a guy like Cameron Williams. So, again, a lot of guys that they can go to. And I, and I think Kyler Gordon, for instance, like you said in the beginning, he is a guy that they are going to try to, to, to target. And I think he's going to be up to the challenge. I have got. I want to say one other thing. For the people who are saying that Asa Turner should be the guy that's in there, what do they base that on? Stars. Well, they haven't seen him play. They're, they're basing Stars. it on the fact that he's not Cameron Williams. I guess. So it's basically like the backup quarterback is the most popular player on the team. Exactly. 
Okay. Well, it's just, right. It, it kind of makes me crazy when people say, well, give a, this guy a chance. The guys get a chance every day in practice. And if they're not doing it in practice, they're not going to do it in a game. It's probably going to be worse. They're playing the best players, without a doubt. They have no motivation to not play the best players. And they're seeing it every day. Chris, you don't Peterson, get... Chris Peterson has $4.5 million worth of motivation to play the best players. Yeah, you don't give guys a chance. Guys have to earn the chance they're given, and then they have to perform. So, um, you know, I'd like to see more of a, you know, getting over the offensive side of the goal. I'd, I'd like to see more uh, of Puka Nakua. I'd like to see more of Austin Osborne. But the question is, and you're not going to get an answer out of the coaches, what are they not seeing in practice from some of these guys that it's causing them not to see the field? And when you talk about those two guys, when you're talking about the seniors that are starting – and the upperclassmen that are playing, and then you take a look at Puka Nakua is his first year in the program, and Austin Osborne, he has been in the program a year. Those aren't veterans. Yeah, I just, no, I just, I just think it's ahead, one. Of, I just, I was Scott. I just think it's one of those things where if we, you know, we move over to that receiver side, feel like a broken record saying that it's, it was just one of those, I don't know what you want to call it, blue moon type weird deals where every single one of the senior receivers just had a crap game. And usually that's never the case. Usually if there's one guy that's struggling, the other guys are there to pick him up and they understand it and they need to have good games and they rise to the challenge. And for some reason, and I, you know, part of it can be on Cal. Cal has a really, really good secondary. I think sometimes that gets a little bit overlooked in the, in, in the post-game analysis. But again, you, you look at the, the things that, that people are kind of dissecting after that game they're talking about how guys like Aaron Fuller and Andre Bocelli and Chico McClatcher and those guys, they're, they're doing it against the likes of Eastern Washington, but they can't do it against the likes of Cal or Ohio State last year or what have. Well, I need to remind people that against Ohio State, Aaron Fuller and Andre Bocelli, they caught almost 180 yards worth of passes. So they, it's not like these guys haven't done it before. They're, they're battle-tested. Again, it, it was just a weird deal. I, I, I don't know how to explain it other than all three of those guys just had an off night at the exact same time, and then you add to it the red zone issues, all the other stuff that, that Washington was doing offensively to kind of shoot themselves in the foot, and now you're seeing why so many people are so frustrated about the offense. And one of the big keys, I think, too, is the new coach, Junior Adams and Scott you take a look at, uh, you know, they had Brent Pease, they had um, Matt Lubick, and now they've got Junior Adams. What's Junior Adams bringing to the table? And what are you noticing in the wide receivers that maybe you didn't notice before with Junior Adams leading that group? I think when Brent Pease was with the University of Washington, the guys were pretty good blockers on the outside. They weren't great, but they weren't they weren't too bad. While Lubick has been at the University of Washington, you, you haven't seen the receivers be as good of blockers. And Junior Adams has basically told his receivers, if you don't block, you won't get the rock, meaning you're not going to play if you don't block. And he expects his guys to block even before they learn how to run routes and, and catch passes. He he expects the, the blocking to happen, and I think that's something that – the receivers have really taken to, to heart. Now, that doesn't mean that they neglect running routes and catching passes and doing all those things. But I, I think what we're seeing from Junior Adams in his first couple games, I think you're seeing Washington be a little bit better on the edge, blocking as far as wide receivers are down the field. 
now they need to put it all together and, and be better all the way around because in order for Washington's offense to be everything it can be, they need the receiver group to be better. A lot of people have wondered why Washington didn't go down the field more. Well, it's because Cal wasn't letting them go down the field. And you're not going to throw the ball 40, 50, 60 yards down the field when they've got two high safeties going all night. It's just not going to happen. Hey, Kim, well, just, just, Kim, just to add real something real quick, both of you guys – were at uh, Husky Stadium on Wednesday to talk to the offensive players and coaches, including Junior Adams. Do you guys remember what he talked about in terms of one of the very first things that they did in practice that day? Yes, I do. He said that it, they got on the blocking sled. It was yeah. a blocking drill. They were doing they blocking drills right from the very start. So I think we can tell you with fair amount of certainty what he's trying to emphasize this week. And when you take a look at a guy like a Marquis, uh, Marcus Spiker, you know, he's just a bigger receiver that they really seem to need out there right now. You take a look at Marcus and, I mean, he doesn't look like he's locked himself in the weight room. Austin Osborne, he's kind of lean as well. We don't, um, you know, when you take a look at this team, they don't have anybody that looks like DJ Metcalf, which most people, um, you know, don't. But when you talk about giving these other guys a chance and why they may not be seeing the field, blocking may be the biggest element out there right now. Well, I am I went back and watched the Oregon, or Oregon State-Hawaii game just actually last night and the rest of it this morning. And I, Isaiah Hod, Hodgkins from Oregon State, 6'4", 210-pound wide receiver for the Beavers. He was a guy Washington offered early and then pulled back on because they wanted someone else and they didn't think this guy was tough enough. This guy plays like a big receiver. When Ty Jones gets on the field for the University of Washington, he's 6'4", almost 6'5", and he's about what? What is he, 205, 210, somewhere in yeah. that range, Chris? Yeah. Whatever he is. He doesn't play like a guy that big. And Washington's big receivers don't know how to use their bodies and shield defenders. And I think that's a frustration that you see coming out of the, the Husky fan base as they watch this. And they need to get more physical at the wide receiver spot. They've got speed. They've got guys who can catch the ball. I know, you know, last week's game was kind of a, a outlier. But they don't have guys who can when, – when teams come up and are physical with them and get right in their face – they're not able to do much against that, and that's something that needs to change. Well, I was going to say, do you want me to bring up a name from the past that you guys are all of a sudden going to go, oh, yeah, kind of, Dewan Hawkins. Oh, you guys yeah. remember Dewan Hawkins? Oh, yeah. Do you see some Dewan Hawkins and Ty Jones? Uh, all world, and I mean, just pass the look test, you know, would do a lot of stuff in practice, but, you know, when it came to game time, he just disappeared. Well, and another six four six five receiver. Yeah. Who who seem to squander talents? Well, I, I I don't want to go so far as say these guys are squandering their talent, but Ty Jones is uh, hurt. Um, he's got a hurt wrist, and where it is is he's he may redshirt this year. He could be out for a while longer. Marcus Spiker, I think the expectations were a lot higher on him. We've seen some nice things from Austin Osborne, but um, you know he hasn't had many targets, so. That's why this week is going to be so fascinating because of the defense that they're playing. They're going to have opportunities, but uh, I think the two guys to really keep an eye on from that wide receiver position that could have uh, breakout games and really show up, number one is Puka Nakua, and the other one is Terrell Bynum. Can I, can I ask a question real quick? Do you guys subscribe to the theory that one of the reasons Eason's connection with his wide receivers isn't as good is because – he had to split so many reps with Jake Hayner during the spring and during the fall. I think there's something to that. Um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, I do. Yeah, I do. I, I'm starting to feel that. Yeah, I am too. Yeah, I, you know, because this, with some of the drops, some of those drops were based on velocity, and it doesn't matter. They still need to catch the ball, but you know, I, I don't think that these receivers have ever caught the ball from a wide from a quarterback throwing with as much spin on it. Um, you know, the um, first game of the season, uh, that fastball that. Eason through to Chico McClatcher. I don't think McClatcher has ever caught a ball in a game that's come at him that fast. So, yeah, I think there's something definitely to be said you know, with the chemistry with Eason not getting as many reps as maybe he probably needed. Well, the jug, the jugs gun's always there, ready for them if they need to, uh, you know, work on that. I, I just, turn it up. I just turn don't. Up. Again, I just don't. I I just can't buy that as an excuse for drop passes. It just. I just can't. And again, we're talking about a situation that was really, really, really extraordinary and rare and unique. It wasn't, I don't remember people harping on Andre Bocelli and Aaron Fuller last year for dropping a ton of passes. If there was anybody that Washington fans consistently complained about dropping passes that should have been caught, it was Ty Jones. And and Ty Jones isn't available. So I, I just... I just find it hard to believe that people think that because they didn't catch passes in key moments against Cal, that all of a sudden that's turned into some sort of pattern or trend or something that they've always done because it's just not true. Well, another thing that I think they really need to get going too is um, I don't think the offensive line has really played as well as they can. Um, I think there's a lot of room for improvement, especially with as many returning starts as they have on that offensive line. Well, with Nick Harris back and the line basically being as healthy as possible at this point in the season, I I don't see why it shouldn't come out and have a have a solid game. Once again, watched the Oregon State game and and uh, Hawaii didn't get a lot of pressure on Jake Luton, so uh, I think Washington should have a, a decent chance. Hawaii likes to play an odd front blitz some linebackers they actually run a lot of i mean at least from a alignment standpoint a lot of the same stuff that washington does as far as they have they usually just have two down linemen they have and they have um four linebackers two outside ones usually got his hand in the ground one's standing up and then they got two middle linebackers and five dbs and i think this is a chance for washington to really get the ball down the field because jacob eason should have some time to sit back there and make some throws and Chris, what did you see out of the offensive line? I just I just saw a, a group of guys that are very good as a group, but they could be dominant. And I don't know if that's just because of what they're being asked to do, whether there's a lot of stuff out on the sides that kind of takes the offensive line out of play when you're kind of throwing that, that, that quick game out wide. We saw a lot of that against Eastern Washington, for instance, where Eason was literally – getting the snap and throwing it out there within a half second, probably didn't even throw with the laces. And, you know, that takes a, that takes the offensive line kind of out, of out of things. I just wonder whether or not they're going to try to pound the ball a little bit to kind of get those guys going and, and to kind of get their, their minds right to start with. Because this is, a again, this is a, a, a Hawaii team that is, is ripe for the picking. Uh, their defense, they're, they're not stopping people. And if Washington could start moving the chains 
and they can start putting some some drives together and finishing the drives, which is absolutely the most important part of what needs to happen on Saturday. They need to get the ball in the end zone continuously. They and that a lot of people are just saying, look, run the ball, run the ball. That'll take care of itself. You have a guy in Richard Newton that's a, that's a burgeoning guy. He's about to break out. He's 210, 215 pounds. Give him the rock. You got Kamari Pleasant, who's 215, who can run the ball inside there. You've even got guys that can get outside, whether it's McGrew or, or Savon Ahmed. You've got options there, and I think it starts with the run game. And if the offensive line can establish themselves and open up some holes to get that run game going, that confidence is just going to create some momentum for them. And right. it's also going to create some rhythm for Bush Hampton, calling plays, getting into that rhythm, calling the kind of plays for Jacob Eason that's going to get him confident and comfortable and get him going as well. So it's all going to play off each other, but I think it starts with the run game. Well, I think you're going to see a heavy dose of the run, and I think the three running backs are going to get a lot of carries. Um, and I think that's going to open up a lot of the play action and the deep balls for Jacob Eason, and I think that's going to be a lot of what they're going to want to show going into BYU the following week. But, uh, you know, Savon Ahmed, I, I mean, personally, I'd like to see Richard Newton on the field more with Savon Ahmed, have them both on the field at the same time. Um, I'm not um, a big fan of uh, Savon running between the tackles. He seems to flinch at contact quite a bit. He doesn't seem like an inside runner. And at times last week, it seemed like the coaches were maybe trying to prove a point and having him run through the middle where I think he's more effective on outside and in space. But if you have both of them on the field at the same time, I just think it opens up a lot because Richard Newton, I think Richard Newton and Kamari Pleasant, I think are a lot better between the tackles. Hey, guys, I have a quick question for both of you. Since you talked to Bush Hamden, did did I, and I forget the conversation? Did you guys ask him at all about his thoughts on why he wanted Chico McClatcher in the backfield? I did not. No, okay. I didn't. I didn't either. I, do you guys have any theories as to why he thought that uh, running Chico instead of some of the other guys might be the the right play? Yeah, maybe his I, quick acceleration. I, Savon I mean, they, is probably faster, but but Chico gets up to top speed quicker. I've seen them put Chico in the backfield before. I've seen them, you know, play action with Chico in the backfield before, but I've never seen them give him the ball in the backfield. Yeah, and, and, I, and maybe, I get maybe it's just thought they could catch him off guard. I get the quickness part of it, but then Sean McGrew fits that bill just as well, and I think McGrew's a better runner between the tackles. So I just was curious if you thought that there was something. See, I thought I thought initially the reason they handed the ball off is that they were setting something up, something up for something down the road, you know, a fake off of it or something. I, I was just curious if you guys had well, any ideas. This, I don't t- remember the play, but a lot of what they're doing, especially you know when Sermon had to come in for a play, those are um, you know run pass options you know and is that what that was was that the run pass option where maybe Easton should have pulled the ball back out and you know either it ran off to the outside or thrown the ball I don't know well with Sermon but it's one of those things where I think most of the the offensive line and the running backs were just assuming that he was going to hand the ball off because that was the play where Easton had to go off the field with his helmet and so it's just you know I mean he decided to keep the ball for whatever reason. He obviously saw the read that didn't end up being what it was. Yeah, he should have thrown the ball, or just or handed the ball off. One of the two. I mean, he had the option, but right. It, it just again, it, it just find these things interesting moves that 
they were caught out pretty quickly. You know, you think these are wrinkles that are supposed to kind of get a defense off guard initially because it hasn't been put out on film. It hasn't been shown yet. But Cal seemed to snuff that thing out really quickly. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Final thoughts going into Hawaii, Scott? Well, I, I think it's just this is Washington's chance to bounce back. And for me, it's always about when it when we get to this point you know where they've got a loss and maybe maybe you have to rethink your expectations and things like that I always get interested in, and really like to see some of these young guys come up and play and, and what they can do and see where Washington stands with some of these guys and and so I'm actually looking forward to seeing a little bit more I'm looking to see looking forward to seeing them develop a, a bit of a personality I don't think Washington's quite there yet as far as figuring out what personality their team's going to be but uh, more than anything, you know, I, I think I, I want to see Washington get out there, be aggressive, both along the defensive front, get after Cole McDonald because he will throw the ball around, spray it around a little bit, and Washington will have a chance to get a couple interceptions. And uh, I want to see Washington really establish that running game, which will open up the passing game. Chris Fetters, final thoughts going into Hawaii? I think this game is all about Washington's offense. And I know the marquee matchup is Hawaii's offense against Washington's defense. And a lot of Washington fans have focused on the defense for the breakdowns against California. But again, they gave up 20 points, 300 yards. These are not outrageous numbers. They just seem weird because of the breakdowns that we haven't seen from a Washington defense in so long. So people kind of got fixated on that. But when you really need to fixate on the offense, lack of getting into the, 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 uh, the end zone, you know, sticking to field goals. And again, kudos to Peyton Henry. 4-4, hits a 49-yarder with two minutes left in the game. How nice is it to not have to worry about the special teams being a liability coming into this year? Of all three phases, who would have thought the special teams is by far the most stable and the most proficient out of all the three phases right now through, through two games going into the third game? Uh, you would have thought it was going to be the defense or the offense under Jacob Beeson, but it's not. It's been the special teams. So I want to see what happens with the offense, starting with the offensive line, as we talked about. They need to establish that run game. They need to mix it up. They need to get into a rhythm, play-calling-wise. This is a game that's ripe for the taking in terms of not just winning, but winning big because they can move the ball against this Hawaii, uh, this Hawaii defense. And then, obviously, that makes it so much easier for Washington's defense to now get aggressive, not necessarily have to rely so much on the back end, but they can start rotating some guys in. They can do some more of that hockey shift style stuff that they've been doing along that front seven. And then kind of go from there and and kind of see which uh, position groups work best because I think we laid it out uh, pretty well in this first part of this, this podcast, guys. 
when you talked about the, the linebacker combinations. Well, let's see some more of those linebacker combinations. If Latu is back and healthy, let's see what he can do again with guys like Zion, Tupola, Fatui, or you know some of the other guys coming in. Maybe we'll see more of the freshman guys inside, like a Fatui Tuatele or a Jacob Bandis, for instance. Maybe we'll see some more rotating that way. I'm just uh, very curious to see how the personnel is going to work defensively more than the the fixes in terms of fitting the run and not getting washed out. I think that stuff's going to get cleared out right away because I, I, I guarantee you it was an emphasis all week in practice. You said the word curious, and I'm genuinely curious to see what we're going to see against Hawaii. What's the defense going to do to bounce back? What's the offense going to do about you know, with probably the worst defense that they're going to face all year. So lots of questions to be answered against Hawaii, and I think it's a good team to bounce back again, you know, because after Hawaii, it doesn't get any easier with BYU and USC. So um, tough road ahead. Uh, Just a reminder, the guys from dogman.com on Sports Radio 950 KJR, um, we'll be opening up for the Hawks today. So uh, the Hawks will be starting at 1.30, and we will be on from 12.30 to 1.30. The opening act for the Hawks will be back on the air again Wednesday night and every Wednesday night throughout the season, usually starting about 6.20, 6.30-ish, just depending on what's going on at the station and how soon Softy needs to get home. And just one more reminder, if you're looking for those daily updates as well as breaking news alerts, just shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line, newsletter. We'll make sure and get you hooked up. For all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim. Reynolds with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Go dogs. 